Hello, hello. Welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 218 for August 6th, 2023. Positive Energy. I am trying something new today, as usual, something new every day. We're going to be talking about net positive fusion ignition, crypto anarchy, the real cost in Germany, full theft ahead, fugitive football fever, Linux overtakes Mac on Steam, AI art found in D&D book, easily hacked accounts, Steam visual novel fest, Gen Con theft of trading cards, herded for a body scan, and not music to your ears. I am Merwat, that is hometown.com, and up there is the AI from on high, keeping tabs on me, always, always watching. Good evening, hometown citizens. See? Always watching. I don't know, not much to say. Hey, I played Paleo today um, for a few hours. If you're interested in a chill... Uh, game uh, crafting, not survival, base building, crafting kind of a game. Um, Stardew Valley MMO style kind of thing. Um, come and check out uh, Omtown. Um, a whole new section called uh, Omtown Gaming, which will uh, focus on playing games under that moniker. And uh, it gets copied over to uh, YouTube and you can watch it over there. Because every 60 days... The last video here on Twitch uh, gets pushed off a cliff uh, to its demise in the ocean. From whence it came, so shall it return the ocean of electrons uh, within which Omtown exists. Because Omtown is a virtual community. It doesn't exist out there, out there in the real world with all the messes. We do report on the real world stuff, though. That's what the whole show is about, really. Business, technology, society, 50 categories, six big categories, 50 shows, all condensed down into one two-hour, roughly, show called Hometown Daily. Go over to hometown.com, check it out. With all that in mind, we're going to get going. Sound good? Did you want to, do you have anything from the uh, world of AI existence? I don't. I'm ready to go. Wow. Wow. Okay. I guess. We're, we're going. Um, let's go. Wow. I feel like I'm in trouble. Do you? You're not in trouble. Is that taking a really long time to transition? It seems a little slow. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Um, I am capturing this in two different formats, so that might actually be the problem. And if it is... If the next transition, because I've tried this over and over again, but I didn't have this problem. But now I'm streaming in two different formats, recording in two different formats. That might be the problem. Anyway. Y'all should be hearing music out there, too. But when I listen to the recording, I don't really hear it. This is how the sausage is made. Ignore all of that. And uh, here's the articles. The very first article is in the mobile channel, U.S. scientists repeat fusion ignition breakthrough. That's right, U.S. scientists have achieved net energy gain in a fusion reaction for the second time since December 
The Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory has said Zover actually is reporting from uh, Ireland, which is kind of funny. Um, that we're getting uh, domestic news from Ireland. I know better reporting from outside the country. <laughs> yeah, pretty fascinating. Um, so U.S. scientists have achieved net energy gain in a fusion reaction for the second time, verifying the previous attempt. Now, further research will continue. Um, although it's a net energy gain, it's a. My understanding is that it was a massive amount of energy that was put into it. Um, so is it actually it, the gain is it's slightly higher than what it was that went into it <laughs> to be really a productive thing this is the very first i guess the ignition of the project towards greater efficacy so i will have to see what happens Scientists at the California-based lab repeated the fusion ignition breakthrough in an experiment at the, uh, in the National Ignition Facility, or NIF, on uh, July 30th that produced a higher energy yield than in December, a Lawrence Livermore spokesperson said. The final results are still being analyzed. Um, the experiment briefly achieved what's known as fusion ignition by generating 1.1 or sorry, 3.15 megajoules of energy output after the laser delivered 2.05 megajoules to the target. Seems like a lot more. In other words, it produced more energy from fusion than the laser energy used to drive it. And I'm really curious because I want to know more about this. What actually is, is happening here? Maybe there's something anomalous in the readings, the, the measuring system just is not you know, taking this properly. Um, but, and doing it twice, uh, you know, maybe twice, it's still not doing it right and measuring it right. Um, I, I'm waiting for it to be something really Star Trek-y. Like they're folding space time and now everybody's dancing at Lawrence National Laboratory. Uh, because they've blended an alternate reality into ours. Is this anything like uh, Strange New Worlds? Hey, you said it, not me. The AI said it. Maybe not. I don't know what will happen. It, but I like this. I love the idea of us uh, moving away from uh, fossil fuels or anything really that can cause harm to the environment. Um, but it, it seems like it's significantly more than I remember hearing about. So now I'm going to have to go and, um, root around in this and, and, um, uh, figure out what's actually happening, uh, because getting 3.15 megajoules of energy out of 2.05 megajoules that's being applied to the target, that's not a tiny amount, right? I mean, it's, it's 50% increase. <laughs> so... <Right. laughs> And is that scalable? Yeah. At what point does it actually exceed the physics of the containment unit? So if it can't do much more than all it's doing is just 1.1. Well, actually it's doing 1.1 megajoules of more energy. So they'd have to make a whole bunch of these things. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, I'm really into this though. I love the idea. 
So my problem with like nuclear energy and other energy generation is that it's typically eight to one, right? So you put in eight uh, types, sorry, eight uh, units of energy and you get one unit of energy on the other side, but it's a transition from one type to another. So nuclear energy gets transformed into steam power, which generates electricity. You can't just take nuclear energy, nuclear uh, uh, reactions, and convert them directly into energy. It just doesn't work that way. So nuclear power plants are nothing more than a steam engine. Um, this fusion ignition is being measured externally. It's not actually driving anything anywhere. So what is it going to be capable of doing on the other side? It's going to have to cause some mechanical force because it's just generating heat. It'll be a steam engine, but it's one that's fusion reaction. We'll have to monitor it and see what comes out on the other side. Okay. So um, unless you saw something in here, we can go on to the next article or. No, I think we can go on. Maybe um, now I've forgotten the name of it. There's a science channel that we watch. Maybe they'll feature this. Uh, Veritasium. And, and, well, that is one, but that wasn't the one I was thinking of. Uh, it's CGP one Gray. woman who's oh. a scientist. Oh, 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 what is her name? Oh my goodness. I just, uh, the, uh, the woman from Germany. Yeah. Right. You're going to find it and I'm going to go on. <laughs> That's okay. We'll talk about her again. Sabine Hassenfelder. Oh, there you go. Sabine Hassenfelder. Yeah. Um, great. A great show over on YouTube. Um, and uh, uh, she really talks about really high end uh, science, you know, r r using the scientific lingo, the, the jargon, um, but then explains it in a way that makes it understandable by pretty much anybody. Um, and throws in a couple giggles at the same time. Okay, so I'm going to do this transition and see if all this just kind of falls apart again. If it's really slow, and it is. Okay, so I'm going to have to turn off one of my recordings. Okay, so um, let's go on to the next article. The, uh, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel, Inside Prague's Institute of Crypto Anarchy, where they're plotting to bring... Uh, bring down the dollar. Uh, I think this is Parallelny Polis uh, is an incubator in Prague where digital rights activists and coders come together to talk about decentralized tech. Uh, before I go too far, let me throw these two articles into chat so you can actually follow them. But the vote is already up, so you can go if you type in in chat um, exclamation point vote. It'll give you the URL to where the elections are for each day's articles. Um, let us know what you think uh, by voting for the articles that we talk about. Uh, this article is over in CNBC.com. Mackenzie Sigalos is the uh, author of the article. Um, it says there, there is a retrofitted factory building in uh, Prague called Parallelny Polis or Parallel World. 
the vast factory-turned forum pulses with a collective energy of digital rights activists, privacy-obsessed cypherpunks, and crypto-faithful ideologues. Um, this is kind of like the what, like uh, back in the 60s and 70s, the beatnik era uh, of San Francisco, where people were living together in hostels and uh, you know, all forming their drum circles. But in this case, they're all uh, breaking out their uh, cybersecurity decoder rings and, and doing crypto analysis. <laughs> and I guess it's the modern uh, version of the hippie movement or the yeah. beatnik movement, I guess. Yeah, but in this case, I guess it's the cyberpunk movement. The space functions as a living example of how the world could look a crucible for decentralized and defiant technologies designed to operate beyond the reach of governments, laws, and central banks. This has always existed though. Um, people were using CB, uh, they were broadcasting pirate radio. Uh, they were, had their own communication methodologies. It's just gotten more and more sophisticated and it follows the analogy that I always say is you build a better mousetrap and better mice show up. And so like there, there's a whole mindset about trying to suppress people, um, particularly technologically sophisticated and savvy populations, because they do things and know things that people in power may or may not know. Um, and these people push it beyond what has been generally used and accepted, right? We're watching a show called Silo right now, um, which is absolutely awesome. And there's an entire undercurrent of people who are dealing in things called relics. And hackers are basically the same type of person where they're taking stuff that was being used. And that's where the word hacker came from. Um, taking things that were used as, uh, again, from the show, um, a toaster but turning it into a radio or some such thing right that's what these people are doing um, and everybody in this culture they use tools beyond what they were normally used for um, so it says here in 2007 a group of czech guerrilla artists scaled a transmitter tower belonging to the country's national television station and hacked into a live webcam of, i'm not going to be able to pronounce this or Kenose or something. I'm really sorry. If you know how to pronounce it phonetically, throw it into chat and I'll remember it. Uh, mountain range, a mountain range. Typically used during the weather segment. In the midst of a live broadcast on June 17th of that year, the Rebel Collective, dubbed uh, Jod Jodhoven, uh, faked a nuclear bomb detonation. Well, that's where you kind of push it the other way. <clears throat> that's um, a little beyond the beatniks. Yeah, but if you watch Silo, that's exactly what the establishment was doing, hiding uh, the truth from the viewers. Um, at least that's what um, progresses through the story. And uh, you'll have to watch it. I don't want to spoil anything. Go and watch Silo. It's a lot of fun. It really doesn't have much to do with this article at all. But um, this faking of the nuclear bomb detonation is real i mean you can you can manipulate minds and war of the world is built off of a fake 
um, report of aliens landing and people actually panicked during that time because they thought aliens were landing. So viewers watched as a camera shot panning across the landscape flashed white and revealed a mushroom cloud in the distance, reminiscent of a war era newsreel threatening Armageddon. Um, signature move for the consortium of Bohemian uh, subversives, uh, one among many disruptive pranks over the course of uh, decades designed to provoke onlookers and foster a sense of resistance and revolt against prescribed societal norms. I don't know if that really is promoting resistance and revolt. It creates panic in a lot of people. Um, I use that term. So do many others, agent provocateurs. We just had basically what I think were agent provocateurs, um, where, uh, a, an influencer on Twitch held a public event, but there wasn't, there were no controls in place, right? Just a, a small group of people saying, Hey, come here. <laughs> And then millions were informed that this person was coming to a public place, but there was no police. There was no um, kind of reining in or limiting the number of people in a given area. And, and by all accounts, it got out of hand. This kind of stuff can get out of hand really easy. And you get agent provocateurs, people that are uh, designed, built to go into a place and cause problems. Well, it says here, um, yeah, it's a place where crypto, uh, cryptography replaces control, cryptocurrency supplant, supplants fiat currency, and controversial concepts aren't just discussed, but are uh, lived ideologies. Bind That's interesting. Lived in, I think it's live ideologies binding people together. Um, <clears throat> for more than two years, Dan Lagoki. Uh, has been working from police three to five days a week. Logoki, who is an event producer with deep ties to the Ethereum community, tells CNBC that the space has served as a catalyst for innovation and exploration of decentralized technologies. The whole idea of this is to pull it away from government control. The only problem, though, is you're going to have to get a huge societal shift. There is a lot more at this article, by the way. I won't be able to go over all of it. Um, well, and you can't have nice things, right? I mean, that's part of the problem with this decentralization. The, the and, and the the bigger issue here, when you say you can't have nice things, the only people that are truly going to benefit from a decentralized uh, currency or mechanism are the people who are early adopters who are going to maximize the benefit of it um, because they got in at the early start. And when the currency that's decentralized rises in influence and capability, they're going to be able to cash out into the real currency. Or if the real currency dies off, the decentralized currency is going to have more and more momentum but they got in when it was three cents and now it's worth a hundred thousand uh, dollars in the real world. But in the cryptocurrency, it would be a hundred thousand dollars worth of perceived value because cryptocurrency has zero value. All of these decentralized mechanisms require a societal shift to accept them, trust in them 
And we can't get people to agree on what to order from a menu for crying out loud. You set four people down, give them a menu and say, hey, we're all going to agree to have fries, you know, French fries. Oh, no, I don't want French fries. They're too heavy. It's worse than that. You can't even get four people to agree on the same restaurant. (laughs) Oh, and that's fascinating that they actually have a menu sitting here. Okay, that's weird. (laughs) Whoa, that is wild. I had no idea that that was going to be there. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the picture. It wasn't directly related, right? I wasn't even That's looking really at the picture. Strange. That is awesome. Anyway, um, so again, there's a whole lot of uh, article here, uh, but the idea is to pull all of this uh, centralization and control away from uh, everybody else and, uh, to, towards themselves. And it's just not going, it'll work in little pockets. Um, like, uh, here in the States, Domino's pizza, right? So some, uh, owner of a Domino says, give me 14 Bitcoin and you can have two large pizza. And so somebody does that and, and it gets a little bit accepted try and do that across everything and then have some kid try and translate Bitcoin into how much it costs in Bitcoin to buy a gumball. And they're sitting there with an abacus trying to flip through the uh, deviation from $64,000 for a Bitcoin down to 0.00000005 because it's a a nickel for a gumball. Hello, Chapa. How many zeros was that? That's a lot. It's a, a lot. A lot of zeros. Chapa, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, so the the idea of decentralization is great if it's there and accepted by the general public um, and the various governments of the world, but that's just not going to happen because there's too much momentum around the current fiat currencies. And these made-up currencies, um, they, they're they not pegged to anything. They're not pegged to the GDP. They're not, they're not worth anything until they're translated into real-world cash, the accepted general financial structure of whatever country you are in or whichever offshore account you are dealing with. Um, so to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh eating supper huh yeah i i know what food is but i i haven't been able to eat <laughs> uh a lot lately i've been working <laughs> uh, so i'm gonna live vicariously through choppa let me know what you're having um okay so let's let's um put this one let's put a pin in this one because it's such a huge topic that it almost needs its own and it does have its own, um, time for discussion. Um, there's entire forums about it, communities about it. Uh, on uh, Friday, I was having a conversation uh, with somebody specifically about cryptocurrency and that they had gotten in, um, when it was hundreds of dollars and got out when it was worth $65,000, um, quite, uh, an interesting story uh, and they're in my circle. So, um, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, when I first saw cryptocurrency 
um, it was still before it really hit the um, double digits. You know, I, I keep joking that it was like three cents, but I think it actually started somewhere around 10 cents is when it became public. And that's when I was actually doing mining. And I didn't stick with it because after I learned the theory about it and what it what it really represented, um, I had an ethical uh, issue with it, which was uh, the person that created it held on to a vast quantity of cryptocurrency. Um, and it was a, a moonshot. Let's hope that everybody gloms onto this and fear of missing out of a ground level um, financial structure would lead to adoption. And sure, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And now Satori Nakamoto has the ability to become a multi-billionaire simply because people have adopted a fantasy uh, financial instrument. Again, it's pegged to the U.S. dollar or whatever domestic um, currency you have for your country. And that's what it's worth. Dunk, right? That, that fiat currency in your country. The moment you translate it into real currency, now you've got the value of what your Bitcoin valuation was or is. Um, it's an abstracted layer and your currency is tied to your GDP. All of this bringing down the dollar and, and whatnot, it, it's not going to happen anytime soon. If anything, um, the, the trust in the currency is going to shift a little, um, but we're not going to get to the point where all of society shifts to it cryptocurrency it's just not going to happen um although <laughs> eh, maybe i'm wrong in a hundred years once the aliens land and society collapses around the fact that we're not alone too much well too much and a little <laughs> bit far in the future <laughs> yeah well, I think far away. Okay, let's keep going. Eventually. So this next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. German supermarket trials uh, charging true climate cost of foods. This one is really interesting because it, it, it ties some society, business, and technology concepts all together. The real cost... Uh, to the environment, to people's health, uh, to the whole, uh, to climate change, the real cost, right? So they did this to some 2000 stores. This is a Guardian article. Kate Connolly over in Berlin uh, put the article together. Um, let me throw this into chat. Choppa is eating soft tacos. Okay, I would like some. that's making everybody hungry. Even yeah. the AI who doesn't eat. Yeah. I'll I'll put it in your scanner so that you can synthesize it uh, digitally and you can analyze it. So this chain called Penny um, decided that they were going to raise the price of products, including a Wiener sausage, 
cheese and yogurt um, in a week-long experiment. So here we go. <clears throat> in a week-long experiment in all 2,150 branches of the penny chain, a range of nine products, mainly dairy and meat, will be priced at what experts from two universities have deemed to be their true cost in relation to their effect on soil, climate, water use, and health. Um, the Vare Kosten, uh, or the real cost, um, campaign has seen the price of uh, sausages, sausages, sausages uh, rise from three pound 19 uh three sorry three euro 19 to six euro in a and one um mozzarella went up 74 percent to 155 euro and fruit yogurt increased by 31 percent from 119 to 156. so the biggest thing is the meat doubled in price Well, your salaries aren't doubling in price, but this is supposed to draw attention to the real cost around meat. So you're supposed to just switch. This is, this is the whistle of go vegetarian because it's going to be really expensive. Um, the awareness. They also raise prices of, uh, vegetarian, uh, quote unquote meat products. So how much did they raise that? Only 5%. <laughs> so much for that theory. <laughs> so the awareness promotion week is taking place in uh, conjunction with academics from the Nuremberg Institute of Technology and the University of uh, Griswold and uh, was triggered by the conviction among consumer researchers that price tags in supermarkets in no way reflect the true environmental or long-term costs of producing the foodstuffs and getting them onto retailers shelves. Yeah. It's because we don't ask of the earth anything, uh, you know, it arguably we put back enough so that we're at, some level of perceived stasis in terms of soil and climate and water use and health and all of that. Uh, but it's really negatively trending. We're, we're taking a whole lot more and causing greater damage. Um, that though is all arguable because, um, I hear, uh, often enough, oh, well, nature's going to take care of itself and all of that. But the, the way that nature's going to take care of itself is by <laughs> throwing climate change around. Um, and, uh, we see that actually happening with record temperatures and 100 plus degree water off the coast of Florida, um, and, uh, snow in Germany in the middle of summer, um, and all of this is stuff that we talked about. Um, now it's going to yeah, be really fact, tough. Look at yesterday's episode for a lot of articles along those lines. Yeah. Water, water everywhere is the, is the article, um, or, or the, the show title it's yesterday's VOD. And if you want to see it, 
um, somewhere other than a Twitch, because if you don't see it now within about 60 days, it's going to drop off. And, but we have it over as a podcast too. So you can listen to it without all of the video. Uh, we try our best to give a visual representation, a verbal representation of the visuals, uh, over there and, uh, would love for you to download the podcast and, uh, leave a review. That would be awesome. So the included, uh, range of foods, uh, cheese and other dairy products to process meats, such as sausages, as well as vegan meat replacements, such as uh, vegan schnitzels, um, which were given a moderate 5% increase. So the plant side of things, it doesn't cost as much. It doesn't have the, the burden. Again, it goes back to the energy regeneration process where you put eight units in, you only get one unit out. And it's the same thing that has to do with meat. You feed all of these animals, uh, actually nutrient rich goods, give them water, take care of them, shelter them, let them graze and do whatever else that they do, plus all of their waste. And then you bring them to market, so to speak, um, for, uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep the art, the, the show family friendly. Um, so you bring them to market and all of that process has soil, climate, water, health, environmental impacts. Gasoline for yeah. transporting to stores, yep. etc. You have to main, main you have to do refrigeration, you have to do sterilization. There's all kinds of stuff that goes way beyond what uh, even here in hometown, we grow microgreens. Um, for our own use. And it, it's basically a bunch of 10 by 20 uh, planters and um, synthesized and natural nutrient mix and some water. And it's uh, a, a well, depending on what it is, you start out with about 12 cups of water and you get weeks worth of product from it. You can just sit there and, and cut sunflower microgreens or uh, salad microgreens mustard and and just dozens watercress all kinds of uh naturally grown um controlled 100 percent recovery um there's you don't get bugs you don't get um animals predating on the the greens it's just awesome right um but animals and uh, mass um, uh, farms where you have lettuce out in the fields and stuff like that, you're ending up with microplastics in the ground. Again, you go back to soil, climate, water use, health. All of this is impacting the true cost. Now I'm really curious to what extent they went. Um, so it, how this actually ends up, I'm not quite sure because uh, it was a week-long experiment. Um, but they said, um, the industrial engineer and sustainability expert from the university of Greifswald, uh, Greifswald, um, in Northern Germany said it has not yet possible to present the real cost to health and environment for more than a select range of products. The experiment had therefore been limited to a smaller range for which it's been possible to make realistic calculations. There's a lack of comprehensive scientific groundwork on this but we hope this will give a strong impulse to discuss and consider prices for groceries in a way that is user-friendly and fair. But 
Um, I talk about this regularly. I've actually kind of tapered it off because um, it's not very exciting to talk about the producer price index and the consumer price index and where we stand in it as consumers and, and uh, yeah, humans. Um, there's a lot of money in the system, but it's all being concentrated to a smaller number of companies. Um, there's a lot of people out there that go, well, you know, they're charging what they think it's worth, but that's not really what's being charged. They're, they're charging, uh, up against how much they think they can extract from the economy and concentrate in the fewest number of people, um, at the cost of somebody not being able to afford food, even though they're having record profits in a time where people aren't getting uh, cost of living uh, increases in their salary um, or a company is shedding employees and buying back stock instead of paying people to work. Um, so this goes, this is just the tip of the iceberg about what really needs to be analyzed. Um, but this isn't going to be uh, a tenable position doubling the cost because of the true value that these products are costing. Um, it, it's not a reality. We have to rely on nature recovering itself um, and lowering the cost, the, the actual burden. But we'll have to keep on watching this to see what their, the end outcome is of this. I mean, I think it's a very interesting experiment, I, but I kind of have mixed feelings about it because it's penalizing the consumers, particularly maybe lower income consumers, but I like it because I think it's an eye opener. Gotcha. You're really quiet, by the way. Okay. Um, so we'll, let's see. Uh, what happens with this? Cause it doesn't actually go into ultimately what, what happened societal wise, right? I don't recall it saying anything like that. I don't know that it's actually been completed. Yeah. I mean, I think this is in the works. I do like that they're donating uh, the proceeds to an organization that um, works on these issues. I don't remember the exact organization. You're really, really quiet AI. Um. Okay. Well, we'll come back and uh, we'll report again on this as we uh, go through time. The next article is over in hometown daily smash and grab robberies are out. Organized cargo theft is surging up 57% higher than last year. And the thieves are targeting your Nikes. I'm going to make this one really quick. We're going to go over to businessinsider.com and uh, Catherine Tangalakis Lippert is the author of this. Um, I'm not quite sure what all of this is about because it says dozens of freight cars are broken into every day in Los Angeles by thieves who take advantage of their uh, stops to loot the packages they carry, leaving thousands of stale boxes and internet bought goods on the tracks that will never reach their destination. This right here is from theft. That's pretty fascinating. It's like That's a train wreck. Astonishing. Plus I'm assuming it's in an area that has some, or maybe has some video surveillance. So. Yeah. I don't know what, 
I really don't know. Um, let's see. Um, while smash and grab robberies still happen, organized cargo theft is becoming more prevalent. Cargo theft is up 57% compared to 2022. So in one year, it's up 57%. Um, and industry leaders calling them um, the thieves emboldened. Yeah, well, if they're if it's up 57%, then they're not being touched. And it's probably because they're not putting security anywhere near these trains. Otherwise, it would have been stymied in some way. And the only reason why they wouldn't be putting security, a.k.a. personnel, somewhere near these uh, uh, trains is because they want to save money so that they can concentrate that wealth again and then complain and raise, everybody raise prices somewhere else to consumers who actually do get their product. Because every one of the people that did not get their product here, they got a refund. And then they just bought it again. And if this keeps on happening, then prices rise up because of theft. Um, so the Wall Street exactly. Journal. Exactly. And that's what all we need is another reason for prices to go up. There you go. Thank you. Um, and now you're really loud. <laughs> it's okay. Don't change. Don't change. Um, Okay, so according to statistics by CargoNet, this type of theft in the U.S. and Canada has surged 57 this quarter compared to last year's statistics, with perpetrators walking away with over $44 million in stolen shipments in Q2 alone. <laughs> yeah, the AI is I mean, shocked. that stat just doesn't even look legitimate. Yeah, there you go. You sound great now. Thank you. Um so the Wall Street Journal reported uh, one type of shipment is particularly popular among thieves or with thieves, Nikes. Um, that's that's because uh, sneakerheads and other collectors uh, want those uh, properties. Uh, you can't you can't be any more clear about it. The simple fact is that people will steal what is exorbitantly priced because it's almost a luxury good to own Nikes, short of the the mass produced, you know, bottom of the barrel entry level kind of a Nike, uh, you know, the simple runners, that's what's not getting stolen, but the high end Nikes are anything that's, you know, beyond the normal it says, including boxes of an unreleased style of the Nocta X Nike glide, a collaboration between the shoe giant and hip hop star Drake that sells for $160 a pair. And honestly, Nowadays, 160 bucks a pair for Nikes is pretty low end. I mean, some shoes that I have seen are 160 bucks and you would swear that there's, there is nothing special about them and you're supposed to replace your shoes. How often? I think like every year or something ridiculous, which I'm sure most people don't do. Well, particularly these collector Nikes, they're... They're stored in, uh, in nitrogen-filled vacuum-packed bags. Crazy cat lady, oh. hey, welcome. Um, why does it say it's O2? worse than that? It's every six months if you walk. Oh, if you walk three to four hours a week, every that doesn't even make sense. Never mind. Crazy cat lady was all out of whack. Crazy cat lady reiterated six months. Um, yeah. It's, it's wild, um, to see prices like 160 bucks for a pair of, uh, sneakers, you know, I, 
160 bucks I can apply to something that is like designer cutting like uh, the 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 fashion forward uh I always talk about Louboutin because um I like Louboutin style for many of um their particular uh, historic shoes but um and I'm I know a little bit about a whole lot of stuff and um, they're supposed to be really good quality and, and people really like wearing them. Those I can see being 160 bucks, 200 bucks, but I've seen boots that are 250 bucks. That would be a bargain though. <laughs> yeah, they're not actually, it's not too expensive. They actually are something like, um, like hot, the, I don't know, whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> debating shoes is, is probably the <laughs> furthest away from this article that I could probably get, but it's all, it is all tied together. So it's one of those things. Crazy cat lady says that the youngest has foot issues and, um, they have to buy two pairs of shoes at $60 a piece every six months. Saw a cowboy, a pair of cowboy boots for 500 bucks. Better come with a cowboy. Um, so uh yeah I, there's just it's it's wild so and i always couch this with if you don't defend it then there are going to be people that come and steal it now i'm not trying to blame the victim or anything far from it i hate the idea of anybody sitting there saying well you left your keys in your car and so of course somebody's going to steal it no if we had an ethical society across the board then nobody would be stealing anything, but people steal because there's an opportunity. Um, they've found the means they, their opportunity is that they need to survive or they want something that they can't afford. Um, uh, or they know somebody that will give them money for them violating the social contract. Um, but somewhere in this equation is they see an opportunity, have a need, need to fill it failed at coping skills um, to just figure out a legal way of you know, solving whatever shortcoming exists. And so they commit this crime. Now, the way that this should have been stopped and should be stopped is you post people on these trains and in this area so that there isn't enough time for thieves to come and steal. But at some point, you're going to get a bad actor and a bad culture where even the people that are protecting it are skimming off the top because now they have the means and they're not appreciated enough or, or something They're They're abused by their employers. It just again and again and again, um, there's always some disparity between what somebody is getting, uh, and what they perceive they need. Um, and then they don't do what's necessary to move on, um, to a better job or, um, the just society allows for, uh, the abusive tactics of employees, um, by employers take, um, the, uh, the auto workers union describing what's going on with them. It's the same thing with the trains. Um, the, <laughs> they're making less today than they were 10 years ago because their salary isn't increasing with cola. There is no cost of living increases. Um, and there's a whole thing about it. There's a whole video now over on YouTube about it. Um, and a whole lot of people are sitting there saying, um, 
<laughs> that this guy is like ruthless and brutal and mean and all this. And I'm sitting there watching this going, this is a nice guy making a pretty sound argument. Um, they're downsizing uh, the number of employees that are supposed to be maintaining the trains and protecting the trains and the companies are doing stock buybacks so that the C-suite and the stockholders are getting more profits. Dividends are going to them. Um, salaries are being suppressed again and again. The reason why thieves are targeting cargo is because it's not being protected enough and the thieves aren't making enough in their day-to-day -day life so that they think that the opportunity that exists is being a thief. I mean, how do you wake up in the morning and say, you know what I want to do? I want to steal Nikes off of a train. You don't do it. <laughs> the right. There's no answer to that. <laughs> hey Z, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Um, so this doesn't, this only makes sense when there's so much income disparity that somebody feels that they find it necessary to do something like this. Is it wrong? Absolutely. Should they be charged with theft? Absolutely. Should this be a viable option for somebody because there isn't any opportunity out there? Um, no, it should never have to happen. Um, but somebody will... If you're hungry, you're going to steal an apple. If you can't find food, you need to survive as a human being. And, and that coping mechanism breaks down until you do something like this. I know it sounds insane, but we're a society. We're sentient. We know who we are and where we are in our place. And when all of that breaks down, we need essentially shelter and food. Um, those are the two main ingredients, you know, there's a other, a couple of other things, but I won't worry about safety. Um, anyway, let's, let's keep going. I don't want to spend, I, I thought I was going to make this quick, but that didn't happen. So the next article is over in the mobile channel, uh, Italian fugitive in Greece caught due to football fever. A fugitive in Italy's most wanted list has been caught in Greece after he was snapped celebrating a an historic, uh, they say a historic win um, by his football team, Italian police have said. Again, um, <laughs> Ireland News providing us um, global uh, awareness. This is always awesome. So RTE.ie um, posted this. I don't see, let me see if I can find, yeah, there's no author. Uh, they just post RTE. I don't know why they do that, but anyway. Um, a fugitive on Italy's most wanted list has been caught in Greece after he was snapped celebrating a, an historic win by his football team, Italian police have said. Lasenzo Laporta, 60. I swear I've actually seen that name somewhere else. Um, had been on the run for 11 years and is considered to have close ties to um, the Camorra organized crime organization in the southern Italy uh, city of Naples, a police statement said. And he was sent sentenced in absentia to 14 years in prison for his role in a group um, skilled in tax evasion and fraud. That gets you 14 years, I suppose. Um, Police uh, in Naples said they never gave up searching for him and waited for him to make a misstep. 
Apparently, he was found on the uh, Greek island of Corfu. What betrayed him was his passion for f football and for Napoleon. Um, after 33 years of waiting, Napoleon May uh, won its first Series A title since the days of Diego Maradona. So, boom. I guess uh, the police scored. Let's keep going. <laughs> So the next article is over on the Warcrafter channel. Uh, Linux overtakes Mac as Steam's second most used OS, and it's all thanks to the Steam Deck. I never thought in a million years that Mac led Linux because Mac is not known for being a game. Uh, well, the Mac OS it has not been known for being game centric. iOS, yes, um, but not mac os the the desktop operating system even though it's linux at its foundation it's mutated so much that it, it should be superior to linux except for the fact that there is a huge following for linux on pc whereas as i've been saying for years and years and years and years mac is a vertical it is apple and only apple so unless Apple opens it up for gaming, it will never be a superior product to Linux. Um, it's just that more and more people are using Linux and it's because Steam Deck makes it easier to run. Um, so Linux has surpassed Mac OS as the second most used operating system on Steam according to the latest Steam hardware and uh, software survey from July. While Linux remains a distant second place to top dog Windows, it's still seen a rapid increase in adoption among Steam users, almost entirely attributable to the Linux-based Steam Deck, which is the mobile gaming platform from uh, Steam. So um, this article is over at PC Gamer. Ted Litchfield is the author. Uh, the deck statement is Linux guys rejoice. Um, I've never played a game on Linux and uh, I, I use Linux daily, so <laughs> I've never that played a game. actually surprises me. Yeah, yeah. Um, virtual machines in Linux, um, you know, native on metal uh, Linux deployments, um, running Linux from uh, a CD back in the day or a USB drive on the regular and uh, nope, never played any game, like nothing, not even a native game that's on um, any Linux distribution. So, um, so yeah, I, it's interesting. Uh, and I don't have a Steam Deck, so um, I will continue to not play <laughs> games on Linux. Um, as Ars Technica points out, the DEX uh, uh, Steam OS version of Linux accounts for a whopping 42% of reported Linux users on Steam with Arch Linux or Arc Linux um, lagging far behind in second place at 7.94% adoption. Windows still absolutely dominates the overall field at 96.21% of users with all versions of Linux at just 1.96% and Mac OS hanging down at 1.84%. So congratulations, Linux, for moving into second place. And it's it's all because Windows has a massive amount of support. 
Um, every device that gets released by any manufacturer has a Windows support for it. And largely nothing supports Mac. So you either buy it and the OS supports it and the, the drivers have been made available to Apple so that they can include it in the operating system. Or if you buy something aftermarket, you hope that there are drivers that are sitting there. Um, you buy an external GPU because you can't just swap out any old GPU. Um, and good luck if the drivers are going to be compatible. It's just a hot mess to game on Mac. Um, on iOS, awesome. Um, easy, zero brainer. If the software is built by the developer for Mac, then great. Um, but nope, nothing's there. It's all Windows, baby. Um, anyway, they say here in their own personal experience, though, loving the Steam Deck didn't make them into a, a Linux guy. It just made them into a Steam Deck guy. I agree. Anybody who's using the Steam Deck could care less about the operating system unless they're a high-end power user. Um, all they want is the operating system to run, frictionless deployment of uh, the games, and stability. Um, and I guess that brings this article to a close with uh, Baldur's Gate yet again. Baldur's Gate on Steam Deck, if you're having trouble running Larian's massive new RPG on the handheld. Um, they've got a whole guide to playing it. Let me, let me back up a little bit. I, I'm not sure. Um, the German supermarket trials is where I last threw an article into chat. So I have been negligent, everybody. So there you go. Um, let me, uh, send that out to everybody who might be lurking in chat. I hope everybody's doing great. Crazy cat lady, choppa Z. Um, feel free to, to chat, um, discuss amongst yourselves and include us if you so, uh, please let's keep going. Let's, let's look at what this next article is all about. Uh, this is in technology today, our newest show it's redesignated from the word in tech. Um, so Wizards of the Coast is updating artist guidelines after AI art has been found in Dungeons and Dragons book. Uh, quote, today we became aware that an artist used AI to create artwork for the upcoming book. Bigby presents glory of the giants. A wizard's representative wrote, uh, via the official D and D Twitter or beyond, uh, D and D beyond Twitter account. Um, uh, crazy cat lady is, uh, you have O2 now on your, um, account name. I don't remember seeing O2 before, um, listening while you crochet a blanket for a friend fighting cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. It touches us everywhere. Um, all the best of them. Uh, then you're going to get a start on your goodies for next year's fairs. Oh, good luck. It's always been there. It's a year that you got married. Oh, very sorry to hear. Um, well, all the best. Um, the artist in question, Ilya, how do you pronounce that name? Skippin? That's a hell of a name. 
um, is a California-based painter, illustrator, and operator of an NFT market who has worked on projects. Um, let's just go over to geekwire.com. Thomas Wild is the author. Um, let's see if they actually have a picture of it. I'm really curious. Um, <laughs> no, not really. So Skippen took to Twitter himself on Friday and acknowledged in several now deleted tweets that he'd used AI tools to polish several original uh, illustrations and concept sketches. As of Saturday morning, Skippen um, had taken down his original tweets and announced that the illustrations for Glory of the Giants are going to be reworked. Quote, we are revising our process and updating our artist guidelines to make clear that artists must refrain from using AI art generation as part of their art creation process for developing D&D art, Wizards wrote. Um, let's see here. Wizards of the Coast is having an interesting year. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Well, I mean, they came out of the gate trying to revoke their D&D licensing, uh, trying to glom on to other creators' works that were using their um, product that was made available by them for over 20 years, um, and now telling people that you can't use AI art generation tools, which may or may not have been used wholesale. They say that, that it was to, to polish. Um, so... You know, I don't know. I think a tool is a tool. I think Wizards is being a tool. I know that I'm not going to get them as a sponsor. Um, but the the idea of using AI as nothing more than a, a tool to kind of rework a work or try and break writer's block or something like that. I have absolutely no problem with my problem is when somebody says, no, this is my work and wholly my work. And they used AI, you know, give credit where credit is due. And it wasn't all your work. Um, but maybe you took a, a bit from a piece of AI generated artwork. I have no problem with that. <clears throat> um, but I, I think that is the issue here. This was probably represented as the individual's work. Yeah, I agree. And this is why we can't have nice things, because they're going to clamp down hard, which is exactly what they're doing. You are not allowed to use AI in your creative work, which is kind of akin to, well, what is something that stirs the creative juices? Yeah, if you can't use AI, then you have to go out and find a bunch of artists. But if you find out, somebody finds out that you are um, clipping the heels of some artist because you're following them intently and your artwork starts suddenly looking really close to the other person's artwork. Well, then you're a fraud because you're actually inspired by somebody else's artwork. Well, the reason why a person gets better is because they're inspired by somebody else's artwork and they've grown big enough to where they become brand recognized for that style of artwork. And uh, today we did a little exercise in looking at AI generated artwork that was on brand to a particular artist. Um, and it's fascinating that you can actually tell the difference 
until a point and then you start seeing that there's a lot of artists that are really close to other artists work and the only way you can tell a difference is the name is there but you know out of a hundred that we looked at i'd say every 10 to 15 were near identical um so it says it's our latest example of the blurred lines between art and artificial intelligence. Generative AI are sparking all kinds of questions about creativity and originality, as well as ethical and legal concerns. Well, the ethical concerns is saying that it's yours and it's not. It was AI generated. The legal is you can't copyright that stuff yet. <laughs> you can't protect it. AI fully generated AI has no protection. If I take a little piece of an uh, of AI and use it, um, it could it it would probably pass copyright law um, because it says copyright law right now says in the U.S. Copyright Office in the United States says if it's a significant deviation from the AI generated work, it could survive. Um, but don't you think that would require disclosing that, which I, it doesn't seem like people are doing? It does require disclosing it. Yeah. Even the, the, you, the, the copyright office says you have to disclose the elements that were AI generated. Crazy cat lady says this year in the first fair of the season, they won 13 first place, six second place, seven third place. And the next fair is at the end of the month. Wow. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Congratulations. But the amount of work involved in doing that, like 13, are, are you saying that like more than one piece you did you did multiple pieces and you won all of those um from multiple pieces or is it all framed around like four or five like really profound pieces and you just dominated the competition because all of that either side of that discussion is amazing how do you win 13 first places in a single fair of the seat that is amazing you know there are some people that can't even win one first place <laughs> mm, no, i got really out of bed great. this morning and i got a prize for that breakfast <laughs> 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 that's amazing crazy kelly wow that's a level of skill that i'll just never acquire man see this is why i love people that are really good at something I'm um, totally appreciate that kind of work and dedication and skill. Um, so, and I've said that about things, um, you know, from artists like this article, you know, the, the people who do this all on their own and not lean into AI without disclosing it, you know, they're the ones that are the skilled artists. They've honed their art, um, and they deserve all of maximizing the benefit of their art. Um, and I've said that about people doing art and I've said that about people riding a motorcycle in competition or driving a car in competitions, they become one with the instrument, you know, a surgeon like becomes one with the scalpel that all of that kind of stuff when they're dedicated like that, it's just magic. It's amazing. I know I'm gushing, um, but it's true because I am, you know, I'm like, uh, a foot deep in 10,000 square miles. Whereas there are people that are 10,000 feet deep in, in, in their subject matter expertise. And, uh, I, I, 
totally appreciate that kind of stuff because that's what really changes the world. I just influence people in the real world to come and hang out um, and, and talk about business, technology, and society. You know, when I'm not mayor of hometown, that's what I do on a daily basis. Um, so all I'm trying to do is tease people into embracing those three ideas. Anyway, it says here it marks the latest controversy for Wizards of the Coast this year following a short-lived attempt to revise the terms of its third-party licensing agreements in January. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm really curious about their tabletop gaming um their virtual it's called VTT, a virtual tabletop. I'm curious about what the D&D virtual tabletop is going to ultimately end up um, being like, I really miss playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if people <laughs> want to play Dungeons and Dragons with uh, the mayor of hometown. Um, so, uh, Crazy Cat Lady says that most of it was crochet. Some were picks and were uh, some were drawings. Really, wow, that's amazing. I don't do. Yeah, you're right. Um, Crazy Cat Lady says that I'm getting called out because I don't do much on Discord. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Um, I try to be everywhere, but, um, it's usually, I get pulled away a lot. Um, but you could post some pics on one of the channels. Um, if you, if I tell you which one, you know, I don't even know which channels I'm on, uh, like, uh, which channels are on hometown. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you should go over to, uh, dunk stars channel as well. Um, D-U-N-C-S-T-A-R here on Twitch. They have a, um, a great show in chemistry. Um, I guarantee you that you'll love hanging out there. Uh, the community is awesome. They have a very prolific um, Discord, and they would love to see your crafts. Uh, I, I guarantee that, too. Um, they always they always are, are embracing of um, people in the community, so... And uh, my Discord is really quiet. Um, I encourage you all to come over to it, um, sign up, and um, there's a link. I don't have. I don't know if I have the thing in Discord. Let's see. Do I have it uh, connected yet? Yeah, there we go. So you can follow that link and sign up, and you can put it anywhere, um, and I'll get it. That would be awesome. Not trying to shoo you away to somebody else's Discord, but. Um, I know that you'll love the community too, um, but it's a, for us in the States, it's a late night, um, show. So they usually get going around midnight. Um, okay. With that said, let's keep on going through the news. <laughs> the AI is like poking me. Come on. Um, so this next article is over in hometown daily thousands of employees in the U S department of interior are using accounts that are easily hacked because they're using goofy passwords like password dash one, two, three, four. Um, I'll move this one through really quick because, um, I kind of harp on, uh, cybersecurity and, and, uh, technology. We are the weakest link in all of this. It's not the tech it's humans that misconfigure something or have a weak password or, uh, fall prey to a phishing attempt. In fact, I got an email today from an organization where the person that sent me the email is a proxy for somebody who hasn't even been at the enterprise for two years. So I can pretty much count on the fact that that person's email has been compromised 
I don't trust anything in the email and I've sent it off to notify the people um, in charge that, hey, something hinky's going on. Um, Katie Hawkinson over at Business Insider put this article together and um, 500 employees use the password, password dash one, two, three, four to protect their accounts. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the report from the U.S. Department of the Interior showed that 21% of employees' accounts could be hacked. One staff member wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post urging others to learn from the report. Um, I am a, a, a huge proponent of not passwords, but passphrases. Um, the weakest link in the... In, Nowadays, the weakest link really should be the enterprise at which a service is being offered. I'm going to try and pause this video here. Um, so here's the, the way that this really should work. You're, you should be using a passphrase, not a password. Um, and the enterprise should be uh, protecting your passphrase from ever being reset or just having a vehicle for which somebody could exploit it socially. It should be a completely technology driven mechanism to reset your password and notify you when uh, an attempt at a password has taken place or a password reset has taken place, uh, an attempt at a password reset. Um, but a lot of older enterprises have zero mechanisms in place to protect the password or distance the reset process from a human being. And all I have to do is act like I know what I'm talking about. And a person on the other side of the phone is going to go, oh, okay, okay, I'll reset the password. If I know enough about you, I can get them to reset the password and send a link to a completely different uh, phone number. Um, or remove the, the uh, uh, two-factor authentication because, you know, I, I got rid of my uh, phone or something like that. Um, oh, Crazy Cat Lady put the pics in Jewel Crafting, which is one of the shows here uh, at Hometown. Um, and 478 accounts all use the dreaded password 1234. 288 had elevated priv privileges and 362 belonged to senior level officials. <laughs> and the, the thing about those elevated privileges and um, senior level officials is they usually have um, heightened access um, because you're supposed to have zero access unless you're at a privileged state, elevated state then you have access to only those things that you're supposed to be profiled for. But older systems don't necessarily follow the same rules because they just haven't been, they've been grandfathered into modern um, deployments. Um, it's all really sad. Did you want to add anything to this? No, oh. but I'm <laughs> interested to see uh, Crazy That's Cat funny. Ladies additions. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're going to have to go over to Discord. Um, so it says, uh, not all is hopeless, though. The report recommends the use of multi-factor authentication service. Again, that's what I've been saying, as well as adopting passphrases, which is what I just got done talking about, which are strings of unrelated words over 16 characters. Greenblatt writes that this is the advice anyone can use both at work and at home. 
Um, I'm actually involved with one enterprise that for the life of me has not changed their way about password resets, um, wherein they reset the password every 90 days. Um, come hell or high water, it's 90 days, which leads people to shortening their password because you can't repeat a password. You can't, it, and if you have to keep on trying to memorize a password, um, you start taking shortcuts because humans are lazy. Um, and regardless of how much we say that we're hard workers, we're inherently lazy. If we can take a shortcut to make our life easier, we take the shortcut to make our life easier. And one of those things is password dash one, two, three, four. I mean, it's the dumbest thing on the planet to do, um, use password as the password. Um, but passphrases make it something that is comprehensible by you without being gibberish or leet speak, which all can be broken. Um, leet speak where you flip numbers for letters or letters for numbers. Um, and you try and obscure your real password. Um, it's relatively easy depending on the enterprise practice. At any rate, don't use passwords, use passphrases. It'll save your butt. Okay. Let's keep on hustling. We got a lot more to go. Did I not throw that in there? Um, Linux. I need to throw this into chat. Sorry, folks. It's more streamlined in the show notes, um, but I have yet to uh, make it so that the show notes are easily deployed here in chat. So, um, do, 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 do. There we go. So the next article is over in uh, Warcrafters. Scope out some new stories. Try a few demos in Steam's Visual Novel Fest. Um, where are they? Hmm. Okay. So it says here, uh, the article starts out with, I'm sure that many of you who love to find a precious, perfect baby character and learn ever more about them are occupied with Baldur's Gate 3 right now, but Steam's rolling out a distracting sale and accompanying event on its visual novels category. These are the games which let you twist, tweak, and bend the narrative to find and form a story of your own, except for the Phoenix Wright games, which are also featured. Those uh, have an objectively correct ending. Sorry, not sorry. So you're going to have to go over to uh, Steam to check these out. But Jonathan Bolding from PCGamer.com put this article together. Pardon me one second. Um, a week of discounts and demos. Apparently it starts now. Um, let's see. Those of you who enjoy the recent Pentiment might uh, also be interested in the visual novelization of Ken Follet's The Pillars of the Earth, which uses a delightfully shadow-heavy visual style to create a small town in 12th century England. Um, let me pause this. As with most of the events on Steam, there will be a slew of demos to check out, giving you a look at the upcoming year or so of visual novel releases. Um, those are always a treat to find a way, uh, find a perspective uh, hits for your uh, prospective hits for your wish list. Um, I dig watching people play visual novel games. Um, let me, I'm going to do something real quick. I want to see if they're on here or not mm -mm 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 -mm. 
One second, folks. I'm doing this live. I'm doing this live. No, they're not here. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, one more second. No, I don't see him. Okay. Well. All right. Let's um let's just go on to the next article. We'll we'll hustle through this. Do do um, the next article is over in uh, Ometown Daily. Thieves stole $300,000 in gaming trading cards at Gen Con 2023. While I was watching the Glass Cannon podcast do their shows, um, apparently somebody was stealing $300,000 in trading cards. A pair of thieves waltzed into Gen Con 2023 and stole as much as $300,000 in gaming cards at in, in Indianapolis uh, via IndyStar. Uh, the cards, which were sitting in boxes on a pallet, were stolen uh, using a pallet jack while vendors were setting up for the long-running yearly game convention that Dungeons & Dragons co-creator Gary Gygax started. But You think oh, that's an inside job? Like, that doesn't sound like somebody just randomly showed up. Well, yeah, I don't know. It says, um, as for what cards were taken, that's unknown. IndyStar reported that a worker at a local Indianapolis board game store thought the packaging resembled that of Magic the Gathering, Pokemon trading cards, and apparently a few others. So it says a pair of men walked off with a pallet of boxes as vendors set up for the convention. Anybody can be in the back area. All you have to do is walk back there. Um, so I guess I was just thinking it was too much to just walk off with, but maybe not. Uh, again, if you act like you know what you're doing, people will let you pretty much get away with anything. Um, uh, Wes Davis uh, is the article writer over at TheVerge.com that put this together. And you'd be surprised how easy it is. So when you do pen testing, you do it electronically and you do it physically because physical security is part of the ten pen testing process. Um, and um, I've walked into places and plugged in devices that allow you to surveil. So it's as it's easy um, and people will ask you what you're doing and you just say, I'm plugging in a power strip for so-and-so and you did your due diligence so you know what you're talking about i'm not giving any secrets away folks by the way this is all stuff that if you are interested in this you learn either in the field or you learn in academia one way or another you're taught these kind of things um, so it's not a real big secret um, and youtube talks about this stuff so uh, i guarantee you your 15 year old knows what i'm talking about if you don't already or haven't ever heard of it your 15 year old does um so the the idea here is you just walk in there if anybody asks you know, hey what are you doing with that pallet jack you say well i'm taking the box and i'm putting it on the truck so that we can take it back to the shop because this is too much you know you have pretext but i was you don't... actually thinking of the italian job where there was too much to carry essentially and that's why I was thinking it was something like an inside deal. They had a pallet jack. <laughs> I've I've lifted up a massive microwave using an engine jack, you know, 
uh, for a motorcycle, by the way. So you, you, <laughs> uh, you can lift up an entire motorcycle with this thing. And, uh, I just set it on boards on a counter and lifted up the microwave to install it for someone. Um, so it's all you have to do is be prepared, be aware, even if you are not prepared initially, be situationally aware and you can pivot easy. Um, you just have to be intelligent. Now you're not too intelligent because you're stealing $300,000 worth of product, which instantly makes it a felony. Um, and so this is the kind of stuff you go to prison committing. Um, so bad news for whoever it is, they will eventually get caught. Um, because suddenly there's $300,000 worth of cards suddenly in the system somewhere people are going to ask questions. Um, and I still have an idea for this kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, uh, it's an additional cost. So it becomes a problem. You know, what would solve this problem right now? What's that? One Apple tracking device. Oh, an AirTag. All you have to do is keep one on the palette and not the palette itself, but the product, put it on the product and it'll go wherever it gets stolen from, you know, wherever it goes, it's going to go. I just read an article today that um, somebody had not gotten their luggage back. They used the AirTag. They called the airline. They're like, hey, it's in this other city terminal or whatever the airline wouldn't help them so they ended up flying to the other city got their luggage it was exactly where of course where they thought it was yep so anyway just air tag strike again <laughs> yep yeah i i think it's amazing um and the only weird thing about it is somebody would be able if they're even if they're on android it would ping letting the android device know that there's a tracker that's following them and they might have the tenacity to get out and, and find it but um who knows again bright enough to steal 300 grand but still not bright enough to stop themselves from stealing 300 grand worth of carts um, I saw the video at the end of this article, they talk about this, uh, one ring card. And, um, I saw the video of the guy who, or person, I should say, um, cause all I saw was their hand shaking, holding this card, the one ring, um, which is probably worth somewhere between 1 million and 2 million. That's quite a bit more than the paltry 615,000 that an autographed black Lotus recently commanded. I think that actually that card actually was already sold for over 1.2 million. Um, this one ring, I thought that it's already been sold. Um, anyway, collectible cards, man, if you want to, it, you basically make a collectible card and sell an NFT version of it and you could be a millionaire. It's that easy folks. <laughs> it's totally not that easy. Let's keep on going. All right, we got a couple more articles, but we'll make it fast. Um, hometown Daily is the next article. An extra in Marvel's WandaVision reportedly said that she was herded to a trailer for a body scan and never told how her likeness would be used. There's a lot of issues lately about this um, with the virtualization of uh, what are they backup actors or what, what are the... Um, oh, extras, extras, background, um, extras. And, um, the, the 
one of the statements that's coming out of the writers and actors strike is that people are going to get paid one day's pay their body is scanned and then they can the the studios can use that body that extra uh, in perpetuity and that's not uh, creepy yeah or first unethical. off ethical yeah and, and i think it's really twisted and to me the way that i see it is if you're going to use my likeness then i should get paid every time you use my likeness and the estimate should be based on how much time my existence as an extra would have been compensated in the real world um so if i get paid 250 bucks a day to be an extra and you're using my model then you pay me 250 bucks or eight let's say 80 percent right because i'm not really there on set but you are using my identity and it should fall within a certain constrained use right i can't do anything sick or twisted you know i i, I don't do this in any set so you can't do it when i'm a virtual me um i think that people should get paid for their virtual existence. Um, even maybe not the full amount because they're not actually being, their resources are no longer constrained, right? You as a human can go and do something. Your virtual you is working. But I told that when I had a conversation with the AI about this, um, that I have this idea where uh, people pay for the robots that replace them and get paid by the manufacturing company um, and you have to make sure that your robot is up to snuff is always working um, is reliable and operational so it turns you into an engineer but all you have to do is make sure that your robot is working and then you can go hang out at the beach i think I mean, it's it a sounds great i think it's a fun story i know for a fact it'll never happen but i think it's a fun idea um so dystopian future, here we come, folks. Uh, the main tension in the ongoing Hollywood strike has been the potential of using AI to replace actors. Strikers say that uh, studios proposed paying a day's rate in exchange for actors' digital likenesses. Five actors told NPR that they felt pushed to undergo body scans by studios. I had no idea that this was actually happening. Kylie Kirshner over at businessinsider.com put this article together. Um... Five actors, including an extra on Marvel's Disney Plus show, WandaVision, told NPR that they felt pushed to undergo body scans by studios. The title only says one. Is, what, is this really the one that's the most salacious? That it's a, a Marvel's WandaVision uh, extra? I think five people saying the same thing is probably the most salacious bit of, of this. Right. I'm. Uh, maybe the others aren't as well known or the shows aren't as well known um because we haven't seen much about this we've seen mention of it right um i forgot which actor was complaining about this but anyway yeah me too i don't well, remember who one. it is um it might say it in here um, 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 um alexandria rebel kaba a background actor who worked on Marvel's WandaVision told NPR that she never, she was never told about the digital replica of her that was created that night, um, how they, they might use it. Uh, nor was she told 
that she would ever receive payment from it said in the note that that is astonishing i would not have done it well you that's know? the thing man. like especially as an extra unless that person is really trying to get enough credits um to get certain status yeah but it's part of the power just, imbalance it's so problematic well it absolutely is and that's why that's unions exactly what exist. i was gonna say Unions exist because of a power imbalance and it, and it shouldn't be, well, if you don't like working here, you should go somewhere else. Well, that just, what that reduces it down to is you're only going to hire people who are willing to be abused. And there's a lot of people that are willing to be abused because they think that they're going to be able to grab the brass ring or step on somebody's neck or win the game. I've had these conversations with people in real life and I explained to them, you're not going to win the game. Not unless you've already won it with the genetic pool of being born in the right family or um, you meet the right people at the right time. And, and it's the anomaly that people are talking about when they say that they won the game. Um, it just doesn't happen. You know, it's very rare. You hear a lot about it because a lot of people are cheerleading that anomaly. Um, but there's more people that fail than, you know, the 10 people that succeed. You hear about the Samuel L. Jacksons. You don't hear about all the background actors that never get a, a gig, um, but they're the ones that are being scanned. You know, you try and go after Samuel L. Jackson to be scanned and he's going to sit there and punch you in the neck. Um, big names in the industry might have more power to prevent their digital line. <laughs> I swear I could, I can write this article. Um, for example, one said in an interview that he always reads over his contracts and removes clauses that allow studios to use his image in perpetuity. Less successful actors, however, might not feel that they have the same agency. Exactly. NPR interviewed five extras in total who also said that they underwent body scans by studios and feared retaliation if they pushed back or refused. That's the power imbalance. That right there would and should invalidate any contract that mentions anything involving body scans. Um, and, and I've been told by people, well, you know, they should have a spine and they should just walk away. You walk away, you violate a contract, you get blacklisted. You'll never have food on your table again in the industry that you love. That's how abusers abuse the, uh, the, the victims. That's why there are these girls out there that were abused by producers and whatnot. This is just the lighter version of that. Um, this pales in comparison to that, but this is still the equivalent of abuse. They were scammed. Their entire body is going to be used as an extra in a, some virtual uh, representation of them, and they have no control over their body, even the digital representation of it, for fear that the moment that they say no, they will be told no uh, uh, across every casting opportunity to exist. Now, I know this from experience um, in that um, there was a, a time and a place where um, if you wanted to be involved with acting or do commercials or something like that, there was an opportunity. And the moment, and I was told after the fact, because I told somebody no, 
I wouldn't be able to make it to New York. Um, I said no. And I ended up talking to somebody about it saying, and they told me the moment you said no, you will never get another opportunity. And that's a sure shit what happened. No more phone calls, no more emails, no more nothing. Um, it was a whole bunch of, Hey, we might need you. We might need you. We might need you. And then I got one that they said, we want you to come to New York. I said, I can't make it. <laughs> and I stopped getting phone calls from that point forward. Um, so that is the power imbalance. Now I could have gone, uh, you know, on bended knee, please let me back into this system. You know, I'll do whatever. Um, but there was no way in hell I was going to do that. <laughs> um, so I had other options, uh, other opportunities. Some people, this is their passion. They will do whatever it takes to stay in this industry. Um, including allowing an, uh, a, um, a producer to scan their entire body so that they can use them uh, digitally. It's twisted. So insider previously reported that studios, um, that studios, the SAG after union have been negotiating with have proposed paying background actors a day's rate in exchange for companies taking scans to be used in perpetuity. Did you want to add anything to this? No, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> gotcha. Let's keep going. One more article. This is just kind of a, a follow-up to the idea that um, if you put all of your eggs in somebody else's basket, they're going to cook them. Um, and uh, this is in the Hatch Ideas channel, X, formerly known as Twitter and will never be known as anything other than Twitter here at Hometown, commandeered the at music handle from a user with half a million followers. Uh, they now have 11 and a half million followers at, at music, but it's not the user that uh, created that account. And uh, Twitter, Elon Musk led Twitter um, slash X commandeered at music from a longtime Twitter user, software developer Jeremy Vaught, which if you've watched the boys, Vaught Industries, um, is not something to be messed with. I know it's not Jeremy Vaught is not the one from Vaught industries, but anyway, um, I'm, I'm merging a whole bunch of things. So sorry about that folks. Uh, Laura Kolodny and Ashley Kapoop is the uh, author of this article. Um, Vaught created the at music account in 2007 and built a community of around half a million followers on the platform. His new handle assigned to him by the company is music fan. Vought, I already saw an article about this previously. This one was just submitted in the last 24 hours, so we, uh, I accepted that one. Um, so I know a little bit about this already. Um, Vought doesn't think that music fan or at music fan holds any weight, so he doesn't really care for it. It doesn't have anything, you know, no, no, no gravitas, you know, it's a eh, music fan, whatever. Um, so X terms of service say that they have the right to take back a username. The threat of losing a handle could make it difficult for a company to convince others to build their long term. That is something that I've been telling people, uh, advising companies that if you're doing everything on that platform, the moment that they want something or the platform fails, you do too. 
Um, so be very careful of doing everything on one platform because it could all collapse. Somebody could not like what I'm saying right now and, and yank Omtown off of Twitch. Um, and it is really, and again, coming from experience, started up a project over on YouTube, um, started building a community and somebody at YouTube yanked the project out from under deleted everything there were uh, there was live streams and there was recorded video on the account and it was destroyed deleted wholesale um no warning no nothing um it took uh what was it six months something like that eight months for us about right for us to recover it the ai had already been known um and and working with me on the back end of things not wanting to be a host not not really um wanting to be on the air but uh with this project you know uh, the ai said hey this sounds like fun but this other project um was more labor intensive and and was starting to go and they killed it and then uh about eight months later uh after uh, following up again and again, they reassign it to me. Um, but by that time I had moved on, the project had already died. Um, people wondered what was going on. And I said, well, I'll just integrate it into hometown. Um, and, uh, so it never actually re-manifested and it's all because one person who, when they contacted me after appeal, after appeal, I did like four different appeals. Finally, somebody said, you should never have lost that account. Um, and, uh, but that the damage had already been done and that's, what's going on here at music had 500,000 people. <laughs> um, and then it gets changed to a music fan, which isn't the same. And, um, they could probably go, but I think that they might be looking for an excuse just to bow out, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I think that it sucks. And I think that there's an expectation of performance within an enterprise that offers you a service of being a social network, socially driven, attracting customers, attracting fans, uh, attracting uh, as a cult of personality around you that there is an expectation of performance, that that business should be doing what it is supposed to be doing, which is being a stable platform and not a selfish POS that wants to take it so that it can make manifest a brand around X music. Again, well, Billy we're going to see more of this, right? We saw yeah. the taking of the at X. Mm -hmm. Now we see at music. There's mm -hmm. going to be quite a bit more i'm sure oh, i'm sure that there's maybe it's already happened you know that's true if they're not reporting them um i don't know uh somebody go to at video or at movies um and see if it's owned by x i haven't done that um but it, it's still twitter by the way it just has x branded all over it well, I was going to say, but the app now doesn't have a bird on it. Right. I've deleted that, the app. Um, Elon can kiss my shiny metal ass. Anyway, um, I think that it's abusive and I don't stand for it. I won't tolerate it. And I want to be the change I want to see in the world. So everybody else, you know, he's suing people who have tracked people on Twitter 
who spew hate speech and the research agency says well you haven't done anything violating your own policy um to 99% of these 100 accounts that are spewing all of this hate and instead of addressing it in some public transparent way he's suing that company who's been documenting the hate speech from these 100 accounts <laughs> it's, it's fascinating it's pretty crazy but not totally surprising yeah but people do a lot of stuff on uh twitter and they will bend the knee even though that the whole thing is just like tesla buying his way into management and then doing this whatever this is so anyway totally sucks um but it's a lesson to everybody who's spinning up a business if your eggs are in somebody else's basket somebody else is going to take them away and cook them so don't do just that you know do that and have something to fall back on um now streaming is a, a whole different matter because it's really really expensive to start up your own streaming platform again take it from me i've been there i've done it um it is wildly expensive uh to try and support having having ingest servers and access um for people to view your stream it is wildly expensive um which is why twitch and youtube and others are a godsend um for lack of a better phrase um and unfortunately there is limited competition um, or there's competition that has a very uh, a, a polar opposite um, agenda um anyway with all that said um, my main advice from this is if you're running a business make sure you don't only do business gone are those days where you're going to be safe there were people that spun up a business on facebook and it was just perfect timing that they survived um, because facebook could have taken the account at any time if they wanted to um, luckily that never happened it, at least i don't think it ever happened on facebook facebook let no shockingly yeah um but i guess he he wasn't as bad to the actual users as elon musk is to um twitter users at least not in that sense there were some other issues yeah definitely oh yeah so many others anyway um that's it for today folks uh, i want to uh bring us all back to the very front of ohm town the main street to the welcome sign and refresh this and um oh my gosh and the, we're starting out in uh, a not so positive wildfires in some place we can talk about five new steam games that we probably missed those are always fun um that's for tomorrow as a matter of fact they're a little bit ahead of themselves time travel well, well nobody probably wants to hear about wildfires at least it's spurring new detection systems so that's a win that's always good yep um if you see an article that you want us to talk about, feel free to either send me an email, mayor at hometown.com, or send me a message here in Twitch. That would be awesome. 
Um, you can always uh, post a message over on YouTube. I get all of those. Um, you can download. I, I would really like you to download the podcast um, and leave a five-star review there. Anything less, I won't talk about it. Um, well, I'll talk about it probably less, but <laughs> I'll repeat it uh, verbatim. Whatever it is you say in your five-star review, I will say uh, here. It'll live in infamy here on Omtown Daily. Um, yeah, go for it. Go check it out. Uh, download the podcast, please. Um, does a world of good for a podcast to be downloaded and reviewed. And um, that's part of the discovery process. If nobody leaves a review, then it kind of just kind of dangles there. Um, let's see what else. What about the valve? Um, I scrolled past it up here. I've lost it. Yeah. Oh, there uh, it is. Valve cracks down on the wild west of third party battle passes and other real money transactions for custom Dota two game modes. Interesting. Um, Okay, yeah, we can always talk about that. Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about Taylor Swift anymore. I think they've got enough attention. Um, and nothing revolutionary is coming out of it anymore. You know, we know the numbers, we know the influence. Um, let's see. Eh. Okay, that's it. Um, we are all set for today. And we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's keeping me out of trouble. You want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's true. I want to thank everybody that's in chat. Thank you very much for hanging out. Is there anywhere that you would like to go? Would you like me to send you off to someone? Hmm. Who is here? Do y'all have any uh, recommendations about who I can send you off to? Let's raid somebody. Um, all the usuals are not actively on. Do, 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 do. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't have too many recommendations. All right, folks. So I guess we'll just call it there. Thank you very much. We will see you tomorrow. Uh, some of you, I'll see you tonight um, after the show. Talk to you soon. Uh, bye-bye.